I'll watch something fun and make a podcast episode on it. And then I'll take a potato chip and eat it. Welcome everybody. Welcome to another episode of This is not what I meant, a podcast where I talk about the subtext and history in different works of art, be it TV shows, movies, having done movies yet, books and general daily life events said in a way that accentuates their dark and not so dark but funny subtext. And there is a plane flying, plane flying over my head right now. But anyway, I'm Anudhi Badyal, your host, who freaks out over stuff, but kinda in a better way, so it is cool. And I'm cool enough to talk about anime, so let's do this. Growing up, I didn't watch as much Pokemon or Dragon Ball Z, I love वही लेगेसी शोज है ना जितने भी एनिमे वॉचर्स अभी हैं तो इन सब लोगों ने ये शोज दे देख रखे हैं लाइक पोकीमॉन ड्रैगन बॉल सीरीज एंड या दैट्स दैट इज व्हाट कम्स टू माय माइंड व्हेन आई थिंक अबाउट माय चाइल्डहुड एंड पीपल वर लाइक अच्छा तूने ड्रैगन बॉल सी देखा है लाइक नहीं देखा नहीं देखा आई मीन आई वॉज अ कार्टून आई टू अ किड ठीक है आई मीन एंड दिस इज वेर आई टेक अप any chance to promote my previous episodes so please guys check out the cartoon network of theories part 1 and 2 where i talk about oh you know the secret of cartoon network i think you know the cashews when i and how they have like slipped in you know different plots and subplots jo ki bachcho ke shows mein nahi hona chahiye but i guess if any adult is making a show for for kids they're going to slip in some they're going to slip in something for the adults i guess to watch with their kids because mana ko zyada ye jeev ho jayega i mean Is there any adult who watch who watches Dora the Explorer with a kid? I mean, that is so lame. But anyway, I'm I'm digressing from this. So let's talk about anime, right? So and the only anime is like which I watched at that time when I was a kid. I am I watched Doraemon, Ninja Hattori, maybe a bit of Shin Chan, Kochi Kame. Oh, Kochi Kame, you guys remember, right? Uh, there was this police guy who had a unibrow, you know, weird guy. That's all I remember from that show. It was fine, fine. fine it was fun i mean blue color kim uniform the kind of like yeah it was fun yeah so oh that brings me to say this fact that yes people if you have watched shinchan you have seen anime matlab acha anime nahi but shinchan is an anime and you have seen it so don't come at me and say like okay i haven't seen any anime or like you know when you get tipsy with your friends and you are gonna sing this you know ियलीवे So definitely there existed a clear division between all of these shows and and that of 
broadcasted on Cartoon Network, Pogo, Disney and other media houses. So, what is anime? Well, anime is hand-drawn and computer animation originating from Japan. In Japanese, anime, a term derived from the English word animation, describes all animated works, regardless of style or origin. Aha, uh-huh, now, mm, I, hmm, I'm gonna say that I picked this definition verbatim from Wikipedia and that brings me to a throwback to my previous episode on The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I mean, I mean, how else would you frame a definition for anything? Because once a formal definition is there, you're not, you're not gonna put a spin to it in a passive voice or anything. Okay, I'm getting hung up on syntaxes. So, so you have animation that is from Japan that you call that anime. So outside of Japan, anime refers specifically to animation that is produced in Japan. And definitely this style, which is, you know, broadly accepted as that of anime, has been accepted, you know, has been adopted by a minority of, you know, works produced in other countries as well. Now, this example in India, that is that beautiful version of Ramayan titled Ramayan, the Legend of Prince Rama, which came out in 1992. I was like, how big this movie in 1992? I was like, it's but oh my god, 92, and that is brilliant. Now, here's something you might not know about this film. This film was made for the 40th anniversary of India-Japan diplomatic relations and was worked on by both teams in both the countries. I mean, major collaboration project. Huh? And it is directed and produced by Yugo Sako, a Japanese director. And you guys remember the Doodarshan version of uh, Ramayan that, you know, used to air? And at the COVID time, maybe, you know, it aired in April. So Arun Govil, who played Ram in that version also voiced the character in the animated version as well. And for a fun fun tidbit, I'm gonna say that Brian Cranston dubbed the English version. And then he went breaking bad. <laughs> okay, so Yugo Sako came to know about the story of Ramayan. And then went on to read 10 different versions of Ramayan in Japanese as well. After reading the Ramayan, he wanted to adapt it into animation as he didn't think a live action movie could capture the true essence of Ramayan. And this is in his own words. Because Ram is God, I felt it was best to depict him in animation rather than by an actor. Yugo Sako wanted to remain true to the original epic, so he came to India and met with scholars, archaeologists, historians, and started working out on the details. During this time, he met Ram Mohan and collaborated with him on the film. Now, one of the things that I'm going to pick from what he said is that is that statement, you know, best to depict him in animation. And that is the very basis of why people love to watch anime. I mean, and the very reason why you should as well, because you can really capture a lot of things using animation and it is much cheaper than doing it live action. And this comes as a perception change as well in terms of, you know, people thinking that animation is just for kids. And this is what he had to, Yuko Sako had to face in India as well. I mean, everybody I know loves the film, Remind the Legend of Prince Rama. And... You know, the entire process of storytelling gets such a lovely, such a marvelous spin 
itself with the storyboard uh, using animation. And it includes the mood setting. And my god, Japanese anime has such amazing music. And it's such an art, you know, manga, anime... That like you see yourself, that if you like put yourself in the shoes of, you know, Yuga Saku, you might have, you know, you are from Japan and you're thinking that, okay, animation, you know, is a serious art form. And it is. And you come to India where you have, uh, you know, religion is a very big thing here. So a Japanese director who's coming to India and proposing that, yes, I would like to make the Ramayan into an animation. And I mean, you would face some flack for this idea primary point being raised that this is a serious story and it's not for animation saying that animation is a juvenile form of storytelling i mean that is what it would come across if you refuse someone that and this is what yugo saku had to yugo saka oh my god i've been saying his name wrong for all, all the entire time oh god it's yugo saka and this is what he had to face right So his response was that animation was a serious art form in Japan and it would help bring the Ramayana to a wider global audience, which it did. I mean, it definitely did. And even though like uh, a religious uh, group had banned the production in India and they had to like shift the entire production process to Japan, it still became very famous. And even if people think about an animated film, it's so beautiful... And and to think, like, 92 mein banai gai thi ye film. That is amazing. That is amazing. So, how did this art form start and gain traction in Japan? I mean, if we're talking about anime, the history of anime. So, filmmakers in early 20th century Japan started experimenting with animation techniques from France, Germany, Russia, and the US. I mean, you know, if you come to think of it, every... Uh, art form has their own journey and every language every culture and every country in that sense they try to make i mean everybody has been obsessed with the idea of moving pictures you make live action movies of course it's easier to record but then you make moving pictures and then you make drawings and then you suddenly you have this whole motion picture that is containing a story and you add music and it's so the art of telling a story visually is a very credited profession so i mean they're experimenting in japan with you know different animation techniques from these countries and so the earliest known anime was a private work by an unknown creator and that was made in 1907 and it wasn't until 1917 when the first commercial anime still surviving Namakura Gatana came out. Namakura Gatana uh, tells the story of a samurai who buys a blunt sword and tries it out by attacking an express messenger only to be badly beaten by the messenger. And the film only lasts about like two minutes. So Namakura Gatana in English means a blunt samurai sword. And released in 1917, it became the first commercial anime, as I said. And then by 1930s, anime fit the popular way. Yeah. So, about anime is that it is different from like conventional animation due to the fact that Japanese creators, like they were never bound by the 20th century convention that anime was something, animation, that animation was something solely for children. I mean, anime is a broad medium, like that ranges from 
purely innocent to the pornographic as well some of it fetishizes young girls i mean i'm going to talk about it i don't know like that's a weird marketing that's a cheap marketing technique that they do i don't that's i don't like god oh, i don't then that's my personal point of view but that is wrong so in japan the manga anime video game television and media industries are all interrelated because you get into one of these things and uh, you see you know you go for script writing you go for dubbing you know all of these things are interrelated like you can't see a popular manga character finding their way into a video game and anime and dvds unlike american animation japanese animation is often made for adults not for children i mean explaining it explaining why uh, he liked anime one american fan said i mean not to me i'm i'm getting this from an interview so so the person said that it's deep animation like japanese anime it's deep i mean the ones that are serious and they have a lot of emotions a lot of adult parts and the ones that are comedy are you know just purely funny i mean japanese have a very different sense of humor very physical and, you know and very sarcastic as well and it's fun to watch and a spokesperson for the anime channel said compared to american animation which is produced to target younger age groups japanese anime features well structured stories that are entertaining for adults but definitely the real success i mean commercially if you're going to talk about it you know outside of japan what made anime famous was definitely astro boy by osamu tezuka so talking about the production is that uh, okay so let's talk about the story first okay what is astro boy so astro boy is a science fiction series set in a futuristic world where robots coexist with humans now you should keep this in mind that astro boy came out you know the manga series came out in 1952 and this is the plot that they had and i'm i'm going i'm going to say like late 20th century and you know even early 20th century the fiction that has been there you know they have like okay in 2000s you know in 21st century we're going to do this we're going to have this and we had covid right okay but anyway but definitely i guess i guess george orwell was pretty much right in his book about 1984 that we are you know slowly eradicating the freedom of speech and here i am recording a podcast and saying that freedom of speech is eradicated tumultuous times tumultuous times okay so uh the story follows astro boy who is an android young boy with human emotions who is created uh by omar taro tenma i'm seriously botching these pronunciations japanese names of japanese names yeah, so he's created by this omar taro guy after the recent death of his son tobio eventually astro is sold to a robot circus run by hameg but is saved from his servitude by professor okano okano mizu i hope i'm right in saying okano mizu so astro boy becomes a surrogate son to okano mizu who creates a robotic family for astro and helps him live helps him to live a normal life like an average human boy while accompanying him on adventures okay so that's why it's said that it's kind of like a reverse pokyo because he's perfect in every sense of the word and then he wants to become a real boy real being that he doesn't he should have flaws so when designing the characters tezuka 
you know he paid homage to Walt Disney you know his character of Mickey Mouse and Betty Boop and the fact that anime characters have big eyes like emotive eyes is because like he got inspired by Walt Disney and i'm not saying that that's the basis of that but this this theory as well and the fact that you know eyes tell a lot of emotions like it's a cultural difference in the sense that you know in western culture you express with your body your mouth you make you know you have screams you know like people are more emotive through their body but in eastern culture the fact is that you don't really say much or you know let the other person know what you're thinking but you communicate with your eyes okay so and you know the fact that anime characters have large eyes is generally attributed to Osamu Tezuka and he is called the father of manga because he created Astro Boy yes so the main reason is to convey emotions easier in anime so the way animators could concentrate their efforts of the eyes when it came to showing emotions and didn't have to animate the stance or the pose of the character too much so this is definitely cheaper and it turned out to be a very effective method and it was also faster to animate only the eyes and not focus too much on the rest so but the money but money wasn't the only reason okay so as i said the culture the japanese culture and you know in eastern countries like people you know like they cover up their faces as to not show what they're thinking and i guess that has to do a lot with the the kind of society that we're raised in you know they might not even react at all okay this is seen as polite that you know you're not going to physically react to a situation if anything arises and i'm going to digress you know digress from from this moment talking about why anime characters have big eyes to the fact that you know because of this cultural divide you can actually you know see during the covid time as well because the kind of protests that were happening in america when people were told to wear masks was the fact that you know the sense of entitlement you know the uh, sense of entitlement self entitlement and the fact you know you know promotion of your feelings you know being open about them is encouraged there and which is which is a good thing but you know if this sense of entitlement you know goes above and beyond from the sense of you know community and a sense of you know species this is what happens when a person then says that okay my right to get a haircut is more important than you know people surviving this virus which we don't have a cure for now we do but that's why you know things escalated there and then you talk about india people they wore masks and like okay people you know we are told to wear masks we'll just wear them not properly still people are you know that is different than but they will you know at least show that they're going to wear masks so that is a fact that people don't react at, at all in much i mean but then again you know the advent of social media people have found this space of being anonymous and they have definitely reacted and that is weird i mean you know it's kind of poison that came out during the quarantine okay i have digressed and now i'll come back so japanese people you know if they want to know what their opponent is feeling they just look into their eyes because emotions can't be masked easily in the eyes So Japanese people are used to looking people in the eyes to read the emotion of others. So there is this proverb in Japanese which I can't pronounce. It def I mean it in English it means that the eyes are the window of the mind. 
or the eyes say more than the mouth. And this thinking also makes us consent to the trend of the large eyes in Japanese manga because it makes up for any sounds or animation. You know, you're reading a comic book, you're reading a pictorial picture and you're reading a pictorial picture and you're like, if you improvisation sucks sometimes when you get the grammar wrong on a sentence. Okay, so you're reading a comic book, right? And you, they want to make it more entertaining. So you just show the eyes. Yeah, and you can animate that very easily instead of, you know, changing, adding more dialogues or it makes up for a lot of stuff you come to, if you come to think of it because you don't have to actually say those dialogues aloud, out, out loud. You don't have to actually say those dialogues out loud. You don't have to, you know, actually add another scene. You just show the person is, you know, pissed off, angry or, you know, is shying away. So that is definitely the reason why anime characters have large eyes. And the fact that I'm talking about this too much is that, you know, it is one of the essential signs that is a, it is an anime. I mean, I identify anime f- from its characters because they literally have huge eyes. And I mean, they have uh, different ca- style of animation as well. As I said, that any kind of animation that is produced in Japan is called anime. But most of them have large eyes. And that is what I'm talking about. Right. So... Yep, Osamu Tezuka, you know, he did this and, you know, he wanted to emphasize greater expressions of characters. And his work had then, you know, then have become the basis for all of manga today, in spite of the fact that the way of drawing characters was also influenced from the West. A reason is not always the strong desire for Japanese towards Caucasians, but rather Japanese manga writers adopt the Western styles into their drawings, even though they don't have strong desires towards Caucasians. Okay, that is political. I should not add political stuff to my podcast, do I? <laughs> yeah, so that was basically the, uh, basically a vague history of anime in my words. And now I want to talk about something that I think <laughs> everybody has seen. Um, you know, Okay, so, like, Japanese have, like, made it popular in the sense that it revolutionized animation as a serious form of storytelling. I want to talk about something, uh, okay, if you have noticed this, you know, you have to reach out to me and tell me that, okay, like, Anudeep, you're talking, like, because the thing is that I'm going to talk about a little bit of architecture in their stuff, in animes especially, so... Okay, so imagine a Japanese house. Like if I'm talking about Ninja Hattori, I'm talking about Doraemon, I'm talking about Death Note, even in this. I'm saying that, okay, so you ha- you are light, Yagami, right? And you're entering your house. What kind of house are you going to see? I mean, you're Nobita, you're going to enter your house. What kind of house are you going to see? Because that is very standard in a lot of shows. Because you have... You know, your door is to the right of the entire house. There's a staircase that goes to the left. And there is only one room on the first floor. And on the ground floor, you have a couple of rooms. And, you know, the back, the room that is to the back of the house has like a paper kind of door. And 
i sound very uninformed when i say that there is a paper door and you know you can break into it and i do not know the purpose of having that okay i think it has to do something with the kind of earthquake prone area that they live in i should do more research for this podcast i don't know why i don't but yeah so that is what like i got hung up on the architecture <laughs> and even the house like even the the path that you follow to reach the house has like you know there is a 5 to 6 foot standard fence and the houses are lined up against and that is that's when i know that this show is in set in japan because you see those kind of houses they probably yeah so probably show the tokyo bridge as well but yeah that that, that is how i know <laughs> that i am in japan <laughs> okay so if you're a long time listener ठीक है अच्छा मेरे को तो बड़ा खुद मेरे को तो बड़ा टाइम हो गया ना खुद ही यहीं पर मैं ऐसा बात करी लॉन्ग टाइम लिस्नर ओके सो इफ यूर लॉन्ग टाइम लिस्नर यू ऑलरेडी नो वट एम गोट टॉक अबाउट नेक्स्ट अभी ठीक है एंड इफ दिस इज योर फर्स्ट टाइम लिस्निंग टू दिस इज नॉट वट आई मैंट देन दिस इज द पार्ट वेर आई एम वेर आई एम जिस बेट ऑफ लॉन्ग रनिंग एनिमे शोज प्राइमेरली द वंस दैट आर नॉट वेरी सोफिस्टिकेटेड बट स्टिल वेरी पॉपुलर अमंग किड्स एंड In the next episode I'm going to talk about my favorite anime shows so I need to get over uh, these kids these kid shows these kids oh my god okay no 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 I'm going to cut that out okay so I'm going to talk about a show like about a 5 year old kid who just loves to annoy people and yeah yeah I am talking about Shinosuke Nohara by Yoshito Usui my my fingers are crossed and I'm hoping that I pronounce that name right or as you might call shinosuke nohara as shinchan is a fun theme song. Okay, so let's talk stats, right? So the manga series came out in 1990 and subsequently the anime came out, came out in 1992. Mera you know seriously mind fuck ho ja raha hai soch ke that the animation is so great even at that point and then I'm like there is Disney as well, you know Tom and Jerry. I think I used to like think like primitive time tha us time pe but they did definitely did amazing storytelling through animation at you know in late 20th century so uh the show shinchan has over a thousand episodes has 26 full length movies and has been dubbed in 30 languages and it plays in 45 countries worldwide talking about india it was a hit on hangama tv right but of course 
बिकॉज ऑफ द कॉन्टेंट ऑफ द शो तुम्हें पता ही है कि दिस काइंड ऑफ प्रेमिस वॉज नॉट गन सेट वेल विद इंडियन पेरेंट्स आई मीन शिनजान इज अ किड हु डिसरिस्पेक्ट इट्स डिसरिस्पेक्ट्स हिज पेरेंट्स हिज ट्यूटर एंड ई कैन टॉक्स इन अप्रोप्रिएट टू इन अप्रोप्रिएटली टू वेमेन हुर वे ओल्डर दैन हेम एंड ना हमारे बच्चे नहीं देखेंगे शो ओके सो आई एम गैन द शर्ट and that's what happened so while it was released in india in 2006 it got off air in 2008 and was banned by ministry of information and broadcasting guess can you guess what was it banned for i mean you would think like okay this is not a good uh, influence for kids would be a reason to ban it if you could put it in lawful words but no this show was banned for heavy nudity <laughs> Okay so yeah Shinchan was banned in India for heavy nudity and you know so but then again it was so popular with the kids i mean the hindi dubbed version of shinchan raked in almost 60% of total viewers of angama tv and so after a lot of requests from the fans the censorship board did some pretty heavy editing to remove the pretty heavy nudity <laughs> and the show was re-released for indian audiences in 2009 and my sister was apparently one of those people who didn't want me to watch it and so she didn't let me so and so that is why i haven't seen much of shinchan i just know that i just know i have seen enough to know that he's a spoiled inappropriate kid but i guess there are some interesting theories as to why the show started as to why yoshito usui the creator of the manga series and the anime there are a lot of theories as to that there was the kid called Shinosuke Nohara and who you know protected his sister from a car accident and that is what theory says the that even Shinchan the show you know the original series that i'm talking about so people you know generally think that it must have ended like that that they introduced Shinchan's sister in middle of the series and people think okay that's that's how he must have died that you know his sister must have caught in an accident and he's going to protect her and yeah so the you know you can't put a dark spin on any kind of show that is created yeah i didn't watch it because apparently i could do without extra encouragement to be naughty <laughs> but i was doremon and doremon was so much fun it was fun in the sense that i mean okay so you know the premise of doremon you have this uh, robot who comes from the 22nd century so and he has this pocket endless pocket who has all these gadgets i mean so when it did the cartoon network of theories episode people were like okay do doremon do all of these shows and and I'm, when i say people i mean a couple of you know just a couple of people not i'm not that famous am i no yeah so i was told like do doremon and one of the things about doremon that i was told discuss was that you know that show gives us the wrong lessons that you know nobita is such a useless kid i mean such a helpless and useless kid that he doesn't want to work for anything and he wants the easy way out of any situation but in the sense that even if he gets an easy way out of any situation he messes it up still because the messing up part comes from within and not because your situations are bad i mean if you want to get out of a situation messy situation you'll work for it and even if it's in easy situation like not not you know you haven't done your homework and you know somehow you get something that you know makes okay get a pen that you know you can ask it to do anything write anything and you're like okay do my homework but you don't abuse that power because if greed comes from within and you're going to abuse that power and that's what happens with nobita in many of the episodes that 
and he gets some gadget and he's like okay my oh my god i can't control this power and that is what happens and donemon has to you know always save his ass like oh my god ek kaam ne se maine to ko de to diya tha saman to mere ko matlab kya hai tu mere ko disturb karta rehta hai main apni girlfriend ke sath ghum raha tha and that that's a cat donemon why you're hanging out with the cat but then again donemon is a robot so we can forget him <laughs> I don't know waste too much about this. So yeah, that was about Doraemon. You know, I'm not talking about any theories because there's so many. And okay, fine, I have to discuss this one because I, like yeah, so even in the manga it was this information was shared that Doraemon was sent from the future from Nobita's grandson to help him not mess up for future generations because you know, he has messed up. And that is what Doraemon is there for. I mean, Doraemon is not a good robot. because that's what his grandson could afford but he still thinks that there is hope and Doraemon would protect Nobita from making mistakes in the future in his future Nobita's future that means his past so he'll change the future okay oh my god this is oh my god did did X-Men steal the plot of <laughs> did X-Men people steal the plot of uh, X-Men Days of Future Past from Doraemon oh my god that would have been Oh that is crazy. And that is crazy because Doraemon did at first after and okay. Now oh, I have to get into this Marvel writers, right? So yeah, Days of Future Past basically. That's the plot. And how the show ends is that Doraemon somehow dies and Nobita, you know, gets his ass on the line like, "Oh my god, I need to, you know, be a responsible member of the society. I'm going to bring Doraemon back." And he's like overnight super smart ban jata hai wo. and finally like he marries shizuka and then he you know is successful in making doraemon again and that is how he's able to you know sustain in the society and become like this big ass scientist and that's how the show ends i guess Okay, so that wraps it up for this episode of This is Not What I Meant and this episode of anime. And I'll I will be continuing this series and uh, going into uh, the animes that I watch right now uh, that I you know rewatch right now because they're so awesome. Like their storylines, the plot, the character development, the writing. Oh my god, the writing and definitely the a- animation is amazing. And that is a bit on the nose since I'm talking about animation in the first place. and i will be talking about you know different uh, plots because that is what is also amazing about anime shows uh, that you know they have interesting like super interesting plots and of course it comes from the manga but as i said they're pretty interrelated interrelated and i will talk about death note of course that that is i guess the first uh, show that anybody recommends to any first time watcher that you have to watch death note because it's such It's like it's written so brilliantly because everything is told to you like both exposition and show me and they're like very clear about their rules in the show and you know it's easy to follow and it's such a like you know, a chess game and yeah okay I'll talk about it in the next episode called Twice Upon an Anime and definitely I did the uh, a bonus episode on Attack on Titan where I watched the first episode and gave you guys my reaction on it So a news like an up- update on that is that I have you know 
so i like i watched till season 4 episode 8 which is uh the latest episode that has come out and you know i watched like for a second and third season as well and it is amazing and i will be talking about you know that as well as to what my initial reaction was about the show and not what it is now so it's going to be interesting to listen so yeah keep listening to this is not what i meant i'm anandeep adyal and this was once upon an anime